Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Wolverine in the X-Men Years. My name is Louis Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. Sonia, we are up to the 24th episode overall of Wolverine in the X-Men, the beginning of the ending trilogy that closes off the series. Very exciting. An episode called Foresight Part 1 of mm-hmm. 3. Uh, we will be talking about that. Um, before we do, let us dispense with the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. Join the X-Men Task Podcast, Facebook, and Reddit groups. Always nice to interact with everybody there. And last but not least, uh, if you could please give us a nice five-star review on iTunes. Again, best and only way to support the show. And we appreciate everyone who takes a little bit time out of their day to do just that. Sonia, um, this past week, uh, it's been kind of a slow week for... The sort of pop culture entertainment we usually discuss. Yeah, we slowed down our media consumption. You also took your first steps in the boot without crutches, so we actually went yeah. out into the world a little bit. I marched down the street to the park where I fell when I was running in early uh, January, and I pointed at the spot, you took a picture, and then we <laughs> marched back home. Uh, well, march isn't the right word, I kind of hobbled, shuffled, shuffled like Frankenstein. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that was a major milestone for me. So if you break your ankle in three places, uh, maybe by like the end of the second month, you might be hobbling in a boot with no support. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations to you. I I do appreciate that. That means a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So kind of a slow week, um, like uh, external non-Wolverine the X-Men related wise. I mean, I have been slowly rewatching the original X-Men animated series just for fun. Mm Mm-hmm. That's been enjoyable. Uh, no, like, new real insights. I tried to, re- with when you were gone one night, I tried to rewatch X-Men Dark Phoenix again. I started from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I got about, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes into it. I said, all right, I'll put a pause in here. I'll come back to it later. I've not gone back to it. Mm. It's just, like, <laughs> hard to, like, finish that movie out, <laughs> though I want to. I mean, when we do, we're going to have to watch it together again yeah. just to see. But it's just not good. Which too bad. Too bad. Um, that'll be interesting one day when we, when we revisit that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so, you know, carrying on here, moving on to Wolverine and the X-Men. These are the final three episodes, and we really enjoyed last week's episode, Shades of Grey, which was mm-hmm. quite good. Uh, this one I thought was quite good, too, to kick off the end of the the series. It's a, the beginning of a three-parter, as we said. Uh, you know, there's a lot of plot that they got a lot of plot they have to address, um, which we'll talk about. Uh, but still, it's like a lot of compelling things going on here. It's a lot of twists and turns I wasn't quite expecting. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see, you know, how it all shakes out. Like, you don't really get many answers in this episode. Right. Well, it's part one in a, a trilogy. Yeah. It is related to the last episode. We're continuing on the storyline with Jean Grey. But this one ends a lot more abruptly. It's clear that you need to see what happens in the next one. Yeah. So that was compelling enough. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and we haven't watched ahead, so we don't know. We're right. watching this for the first time. These are our first time reactions. Um, you know, I, I guess we could talk before we launch into the episode. We're landing the plane on Wolverine and the X-Men. This was a much requested series from our fans for us to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I, more requested than X-Men Evolution, which we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say more requested than Spider-Man the Animated Series, which we also covered. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess in the next three weeks, we'll talk about our overall Wolverine and the X-Men experience thus far. How would you summarize it for yourself, going through this sort of like small journey? You know, it's only two, well, one season, but mm-hmm. essentially two seasons. I think 
the the part that didn't really grab me even by the end is just the animation style the proportions of the characters and the action sequences like i know it's a little ironic to criticize the animation in this show because the original x-men task is widely criticized for exactly that but that was based on like character proportions from comics this is more like fashion illustration to me yeah, and I know <laughs> it's not it's, 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 it's never a, it's a, to me, it's a generic anime style. And I know I, I could be criticized for that comment because someone could point to me, oh, it's actually there's similar run of X-Men comics from, you know, the mid to late 2000s that look like this. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's just not from my original X-Men and that's probably all there is to it. So that's fine. Um, what they did get really right in this show, I think, is the characterization, the character building was really yeah, excellent there's, there's and good, got better as it went along. There's to it. I mean, I think it's it starts off, for me, I don't want to speak for you, on a wrong foot, just, you know, the central premise of it being based on Wolverine leading the team. Right. Which we know is, was like kind of done for marketing purposes. Right. more, And then they kind of like put that in the background a bit. Yeah. It became more of an X-Men team story, which is good. I mean, Wolverine is a central character. But also, the more the show goes along, they weave it into the storyline more that he's like a reluctant leader and he's not great at it. And he has yeah. to ask uh, Professor Expert advice all the time. The ball gets passed. It makes passed. me buy it a little bit more. Yeah. The ball gets passed around pretty well eventually. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean. And I also think yeah. overall storytelling, the plot lines in the these episodes, I think they got better as the series yeah. went on. But also, like, a lot of them are really good. Yeah, this I one, agree. I thought it was really good. Yes. The last few, several that we've seen were really good yeah, I think this stories. Is, I think this is a nice reshuffling. Again, like we talked about last week, the Ed Piscor X-Men Grand Design, where he essentially sort of reshuffles the X-Men mythology, tells it. And, you know, like, he hits on the major beats, but he like changes some details around to just make it kind of new and exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's what this show does too. It's a, it's a version of like, it's the grand design style for lack of a better term where they're like, you know, running through some X-Men storylines, but just remixing it in a way that's just new and updated. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting too. And I, I would have liked to see it continue because mm. it's like, all right, let's move past this whole, like essentially they've like mashed days of future past the, the Phoenix saga uh, and a few other storylines into like one major storytelling epic. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've just sort of, you know, like, I don't know, like when they concluded that storyline, which is I'm assuming is going to happen at the end of this three-parter, like where you take it from there. And I would have been happy to see it, just a whole new like idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, like the these X-Men and this continuity, I think we're supposed to also be, introduced in the third season of Avengers uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, a show that was essentially by the same production team as this X-Men show. And that would have been cool too, like to just see them brought into that context as well. And that show I think had like, was even sharper in terms of like, uh, it answered a lot of the complaints we have about Wolverine and the X-Men. You know, like it just like the characterization was all there, like the show, but it had like a little more exciting action and it was a little pulpier, you know, a little truer to the comics in a way, in a more updated, fun way. Mm. So I think, like, they were on the path to making, and, like, two seasons is not oftentimes enough to for a show to, like, step into its own. Again, it's like, it's, animation's a funny thing, because sometimes in animation, as in the case of the original X-Men series, in the case of Batman, the first beginning is kind of better, than, like, it tails off after a while. Mm-hmm. But a lot of television shows throughout history, it's the opposite, where it's like the big, first few seasons are kind of crappy, and then it, like the it's artists, good by the, right, the actors, they figured out, like Star Trek, the most famous example. Right. Well, next gen, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so I guess like the biggest feeling 
I'm getting as we wrap up over in the X-Men here is it's just, it's just, again, a kind of a shame. I can see why fans of the show were annoyed when they canceled it when they yeah, did. Because it's like, they, they've got a... Like, oh man, it's getting good. <laughs> they got something cooking here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they were just kind of, you could tell that the writers were just doing their own thing at this point where they're like, let's just do whatever. We'll do an Emma story, we'll do a Jean Grey story, and it'll just be cool and sophisticated. Mm. So they were heading down that path, uh, canceled before it's time. I mean, we I feel like we had a similar sort of thing by the wrap up of evolution, mm-hmm. it was just getting good, you know, right when they were just kind of figuring it out, making it less uh, bland or whatever yeah. than when it started. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's like, yeah, it's like the story of both of these shows. It's, it's like the writers get to this point where they realize it's not so much about updating the X-Men for a modern audience, which I think the intention was for kind of both of these series. Right. Just like realizing that the X-Men stories can just carry any kind of interesting, compelling plot. And when you like get to that, mm-hmm. then you realize that you don't have to worry so much about like the premise of a new generation of X-Men and a new yeah, nine- in the 90s. is the thing. Like yeah. it does work in that way. And yeah. that's why we've had so many requests from people to yeah. do these shows is because it was updated and it was for... Right. I mean, it wasn't like a full generation later, but you know, a little half step of a generation later, it, like these shows are beloved by people yeah. of those generations. Yeah, so, that's true. Good good for them. They did it. I mean, okay, <laughs> beloved by its fans. Yeah. But I don't think as big obviously clearly not as big as hit as the original X-Men cartoon. And that's not a way X-Men for me to be like cartoon. snobby about it. It's just saying like I think it's clear that, you know, they're reviving X Men ninety seven. They're not uh-huh. it wasn't like a clamoring to bring back X Men Evolution season five or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there just there was a lot more of the original X Men. That's true, and also I had a bigger that impact. show was on at a time when there weren't that many other options. You yeah. know, like I didn't really know that many people that had cable TV at that time. I mean, it existed obviously, and yeah. people had it, but like I didn't know that many people who had it. <laughs> Whereas by the time like Evolution came around or mm-hmm. this show, there's a lot more. It was just like there were so many channels Cartoons. at everyone's disposal all yeah. the time. And then, like, plus the internet, you could watch whatever you want, whenever you want. So the 90s, it was just like the, right, like a cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, the 90s different. was a golden age of animation because, I mean, I did have cable TV growing up, mm-hmm. uh, not to brag. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> no, I guess a lot of people did have ca- yeah. cable. I just didn't. Right. But, but it it's, just seemed like there weren't as many options, even if you did have yeah, cable. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, the, like I said, golden age of animation. You had The Simpsons, which was like, Paramount Reign Supreme. Mm. It's a primetime show. Sure. You had Batman and X Men. Batman being a little more renowned than X-Men, but still, mm-hmm. like, both were really big hits in their own ways. Uh, and then, like, on the cable side, you had all the Nickelodeon shows, like Red and Stimpy and Doug and, like, and Rugrats. Those were, like, not as big as any of those shows I mentioned previously, but in their own way were, like, they just fit into, like, if you're a kid in the 90s, they just fit into, you, you slotted them all in their own place and mm-hmm. you enjoyed them all for whatever reasons. And it's, like, a little further in the 90s, you had Beavis and Butthead, you know? Yeah. So the point is, like, there was all this, like, and then further down the road with that, King of the Hill. But you had like this percolating like animation, like a sophisticated animation revival or something or right. burgeoning. I mean, before, because really, if you go back to the 80s, animation was like way stupider. I mean, like even from the- Thundercats or- Yeah, like G.I. <laughs> Joe, just like very unsophisticated. And even Ninja Turtles is just like, had a little bit of humor, but it was like dumb. Like mm-hmm. my biggest, I may even done this joke on the podcast before, but my biggest memory of like rewatching the original Ninja Turtle show from that time, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is probably cool because I loved it as a kid. Let's see how it holds up. Yeah. It's just so dumbed down. Like there's so many scenes where they're like, all right, hey, like we have to go into this other room to see if the Foot Clan's there. 
and they walk into the other room. It's like, the Foot Clan's not in this room. Let's try that room. And it's just like a lot of like, really like dumb plotting, plotting along, you know, uh-huh. not really. And so, and like, and even going back earlier, the 70s, like the Spider Man cartoons, and they're just like silly. Yeah. You know, they're not meant for any kind of sophisticated audience whatsoever. So, I mean, that's what was special about 90s animation overall. So it's just like starting to like, like animation could be more right. than just like 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 mindless kid stuff. Um, I mean, and that's uh, again just to close this up this little conversation. Like, it's not to be totally unfair to previous generations of animation. I mean, you had the Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. which while are the kind of dumb in a way, they're very sophisticated for what they were. Mm-hmm. You know, like great animation, really sharp writing, uh, funny jokes, and they like had a, an enormous impact on generations of animation. And then, of course, you could like point to various Disney things too. Uh, various like special Disney projects, mm-hmm. but again, like not quite the same of like really like niche focused animation like we start to get in the '90s. So um, you know, Wolverine and the X Men like far down the line from all that stuff, and it's just like a you know like it, it's just a it's just a I would just put it in the context of uh, it was a show trying to find its feet, and I think it was as it was wrapping up here. And just like again, like it's too bad. Could have I would have liked to see a season three. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the next hey, interestingly enough, the next X Men cartoon is X Men ninety seven. Right. That's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Like that. I mean, you know, Wolverine the X Men sort of like the last gasp of X Men animation for a long time, and now it's you know it's sort of circling back to its roots in a way, and we'll see how it turns out. But right. I Almost think you can't count X Men anime. Yeah, I don't really count that. I think that's like a. I mean, it's only like eight episodes. Yeah, it was like, it's almost like, that's like a graphic novel in TV form. It's just a one-off thing. Do you know when that was made? 2010 or 11, thereabouts. Yeah. And, you know, there's been requests for us to do the X-Men anime. Yeah. I think we will talk about it in the future. Uh, I'm I'm guessing for X-Men anime, we're going to do... We'll either we'll we'll make it like one to three episodes. We're not going to do every episode in order. We're going to like talk about it in clumps. Okay. Uh, just because it's like a, it's kind of a really niche thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not, it wasn't like a serialized show. It was just like, a, it's almost like an extended, it's uh, a mini series. It's like a mini series. It's like a, like a prolonged, it's like a DC animated movie type thing. Yeah. Is, is do you know, is it still on Netflix? We'll have to check. Yeah. We'll that's find where it. we watched it originally. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's just like, yeah, maybe it's not ubiquitous amongst X-Men fans, but if it's that easy to watch, then why not? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we'll get to that. That'll be a fun special project. But we are, hey, just a reminder, we're going to transition to Batman for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, but we're going to have to do a hard left at a certain point and go to X Men 97 when it, when whenever it that happens out. next year. So yeah. we're, we're not going to finish Batman, which to me, it's like, uh, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, because we're very like OCD about getting every. I mean, maybe we'll go back to it because yeah. X Men 97 is only going to have so many episodes yeah, to 10, start with. Right. So. so we'll take an X Men 97 like spectacular That's break. It's also like a little mini series in a way, yeah. even though it's an extension of the previous series. The thing, thing with Batman, it's like it's endless. I know. Because there's, there's four seasons, there's a ton of episodes of that show. But then it like it's spun off in a way where it doesn't really end. Like right. you've got like Batman Beyond, which still is Kevin Conroy. I consider anything with Kevin Conroy part of the original X-Men, I mean, uh, sorry, Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. You had like the new adventures of Batman and Robin. I don't know. Like you had like all the movies that yeah. he's featured in. It's just kind of like, and the continuity between all these things is kind of iffy. You had the various Justice League animated series and the Justice League movies. Right. So I think in a way it's like, we're going to have to at a certain point 
put a capper on Batman. Like, we can't talk about him endlessly because the show would just be Batman for, like, five years. Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll have to sort of be discreet with the way we talk about him. Yeah. I mean, the show kind of also goes off a cliff at a certain point. Yeah, it's kind of similar to good. X-Men. It's just like yeah. the, the animation got farmed out to someplace different, evidently. Or they just changed the style. I don't or, know if it farmed out. Like, really? I don't know. We'll have to research that. But yeah. I think it changed in the last season. They made it, they they uh, they changed the style. Right. Um, I think they would think it got more sophisticated. I had the opposite. It got more anime-like. Yeah. Which, you know, not like, not that I'm against the anime style. It's just I prefer the original Batman style. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just kind of like, oh, they're changing it. I don't know. They tried to update it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about this. We've episode. rambled long enough. Yes, okay. quite the ramble. Foresight <laughs> so, part one. <laughs> Foresight part one. So uh, the first scene we have here is Wolverine. He has an X-Men Bluetooth in his ear, I noticed. Yeah, quite noticeable. I mean, the X-Men, compare, like, compare other X-Men devices. Uh, in the original series, they had the, the X-Men belts and right. buttons that Storm had on her chest or Cyclops had on his belt. Right. That's that's how they communicated. Press that button and lights up blue. Yeah, a little intercom system or like a walkie-talkie or right. something. This is a little more real world. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like a real Bluetooth speaker you'd hang on your ear, mm-hmm. especially for the technology really got microscoped. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I even though this looks like kind of boring and clunky, I still prefer it over what we see in the modern Marvel movies where they're they're talking through invisible Bluetooths that are just implied in their ears with yeah, no weird. setup whatsoever. Right, because then it's like, how do you know when they're talk when they're broadcasting and when they're not and who they're broadcasting to yeah I, it just always bothered i mean like i was always bothered that great moment in uh avengers endgame when captain america can hear falcon talk to him via bluetooth before even the portal is open i think mm-hmm. the magic portal that dr strange makes yeah somehow the bluetooth magically transcends time and space to get into his frequency i think it's borrowed from iron man maybe but iron yeah. man it makes sense that he right. had ha- would have that kind of technology his head looks like a radio antenna too <laughs> yeah yeah right. But, right but when captain america is just all of a sudden just he cocks his head and he's right. talk- and you don't even see the earpiece in his it's ear like underneath the spandex or something right i mean he doesn't even, doesn't even always have the hat on his you know yeah. his mask on right uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like the, I never was a fan of the magical cell phone technology in the. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, we got to rewatch Spider Man again, the new one, where how are all those Spider Man communicating? Are they, I think they also have magical Bluetooth as I well, so. which is kind of, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Anyway, Wolverine has his Bluetooth and yeah. he's, <laughs> so that's <laughs> his like real world, real world technology. And then he's using also his smell of vision where he's like <laughs> sniffing and he can see like the silhouettes or like right. projections of the people that have been there before his, and what they were doing. His smelling is so great that it creates an image in his mind's eye that we, the viewers can see. I just don't buy it still, but. I mean, it's like daredevil kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it leads him outside into like the it's, driveway. It's and abstract, he, Sonia. It's like an abstract. Yeah, I know. It's like represent, because how else are they going to show it? Right. It's to the viewers at home, not so much. It's like when you see in the comics, Invisible Woman, her outline. Yeah. You know she's invisible, but even though you, the viewer, can see it. And again, it's the ultimate question I always have about Professor X's powers. Is he blasting out like blue energy from his head? Or, or is that just for us to see and right. it's invisible to everyone else? Yeah, and the movies are unclear about that. Some movies, they kind of show something, and some movies are just invisible. I say, like, in the new movies, have him have a little blue energy from his head that everyone can see and acknowledge. Hmm. To me, that's just more fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with Magneto, too. Show me his, like, blue magnetic energy. Like, I don't, I don't like it when it's invisible. 
Yeah, it, I think it's usually like wait, like distortion waves, sort of, right? They kind of hinted like in X Men Apocalypse, they showed like some more distorted magneto bubbles, mm-hmm. but in the earlier. X-Men movies with Ian McKellen, it was just kind of all invisible stuff, which I think is probably more realistic, obviously. Yeah. Unless you can yourself see in the... Is the, ma- is the magnetism and infra... Is like one of the spectrums? Is the electromagnetic le- spectrum right, yeah. is so if you can see, all of it. Right. Yeah. Like maybe Wolverine can see the electromagnetic spectrum with his eyeballs, but normal humans cannot. Hmm. Anyway, I say show that energy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so Wolverine knows that Gene was abducted by a helicopter because he can smell slash see it in his mind's eye, I guess, uh, in the <laughs> driveway outside. <laughs> uh, and everyone else has been looking for Gene around the X-Mansion. He tells them through his Bluetooth, she was taken by air, don't bother looking anymore. And then he sees Emma's projection appear in front of him as the helicopter is taking off. So he knows that she was involved in some way and didn't stop it. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The major villain twist of this whole series. Yeah. Emma's just the bad guy all along. Yeah. Um, which, hey, like, I think that's good. Like, that's like a good way to, like, hit all the notes of the Emma Frost character. She's good. She's bad. And this she time they're crosses, kind of like reversing. She yeah. She has an agenda of her own. Right. Yes. Wolverine pulls Emma off of Cerebro in real life and puts her in one of those glass jail cells and... Scott is very upset because he thought that Emma was using Cerebro to try to find Gene. He's, he's developed like, quite a bit of a bond with Emma. Right. And Wolverine says, no, like, she definitely had something to do with it. I'm going to go find out some stuff. And when she, when I get back, the truth is coming out one way or another. <laughs> you know, I think, like, I think it's cool what they've done with Scott and Emma in the show. They've definitely teased a romance. Mm-hmm. Might have been a little bit one-sided on Emma's part. Um, but if they were truer to the comic books... This happens to Scott a lot in the comics where Gene dies and then he mm. falls into some romance and then Gene comes back and he's confused about like where is she his going? feelings. <laughs> yeah. So I would have had it like I would have just said have him full blown have a romance with Emma, like make out, whatever, mm. be involved. And then Gene's alive and you just show that com- like because that's just something we've seen as comic book readers throughout the years. Yeah. Like Madeline Pryor and Emma herself in the comics. I wonder if it was like a censorship for children sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, they didn't want to go there. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. It was a little too adult to go there but i'm saying like my adult x-men comic television cartoon show i'm including that as a plot element i think that's a lot of fun (laughs) yeah no i agree also because they keep showing how scott is in such a vulnerable state yeah and also that emma or like she wants to suppress some of his memories of gene so like if they go through with they set it up they set it up for it to happen yeah cross the line no Uh, and again, yeah. it's funny you mentioned like Scott being in a vulnerable state. Like that's just like the plot line from so many of the comic books where yeah. Gene has died and he's just like morose and sort of uh, listening to the cure and the Smiths. And, right. And he's just, and these beautiful women come into his orbit and they try to cheer him up and they want to date him and figure him out. And he's just so surly and kind of, but then again, he's, he falls in love with them, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, wait, Gene's alive? And then there's always like this weird few panels between Scott and whatever his current girlfriend is, where he looks very <laughs> anguished and <laughs> he doesn't know but what to I do. Love her, doesn't but know I what love to say. Her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So Emma's in like the jail cell, and Wolverine stomps off because he's trying to get business done. And Emma's just pleading with Scott, saying like, "Well, I can't find Gene if I'm in here. You got to let me out." You know. So. She has a plausible excuse. She says. Like, oh, I was the first one who awoke after the psychic attack that knocked us all out. And right. uh, therefore, I was looking for Gene. Right. So that's actually, like, it's fitting. Like, Emma is still clever. It's not, 
you know. Yeah, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. It's not what happened. Wolverine but. doesn't trust her at all, though. <laughs> yeah. So Wolverine goes to talk to Professor X. He says Jean must be found and controlled before the war starts. Otherwise, it'll be too late. Uh, and then he gets, like, jolted back into the future because the Sentinels have found the all the mutants that are hiding right. out. Marrow's betrayal is paying off here. And they're out to just capture or kill all the mutants in the future. So this episode, again, like a lot of heavy plot mechanics, a lot of storylines that we've been following throughout the whole series are sort of weaving together. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, I'll just mention one we don't even see in this episode because we saw at the tail end of the last one where Mr. Sinister is working for Apocalypse. Yeah. And somehow like that's got to fit into all this too. Right. Because I don't think, uh, you know, this episode is kind of about the Hellfire Club spoilers, but like they're not part of that side of it. Mm-hmm. They kind of want Gene for their own nefarious purposes as well. So it's like there's a lot to juggle here. Yeah. And I'm excited about it because I want to see how they, they do like sort all these sides out. Right. There's a lot of uh, angles at play. And so Marrow confesses to the other mutants in the future. Vanisher, she confesses. Vanisher, right. That she was the one that told Master Mold about Xavier. But she's like, this isn't how I thought it was going to pan out. You know, like this isn't what I had planned. But um, meanwhile... Professor X and Bishop get trapped under some falling rocks as they try to escape the Sentinels. And one of the Sentinels steps on Professor X's Cerebro helmet. Crushing it. Destroys it. You know, it's one of those, like, fake-out scenes we've seen in a lot of animation where the heroes are pummeled under, like, a bunch of rocks that definitely would kill anyone. Yeah. But then the next scene, it's kind of like the rocks weren't so bad. <laughs> right. Well, the Sentinels pulled them out. Like, Yeah, but presumably. it's not like, it looked like, for sure, their entire bodies were covered and they're going to be suffocated and crushed to death. Yeah. But then the next scene, they're kind of like their bodies were half they're out. fine. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of all right. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> meanwhile, to weave in another storyline. Right, yeah. Pietro shows up in Genosha and surprises Wanda speeding past her. And she's worried that Magneto is going to be really upset that he's back. He's not welcome. And he says, no, it's no problem. I was invited back because I had abducted Senator Kelly for him. Right. And that's what he wanted. So and Magneto replaced Kelly with Mystique. Again, it's like a lot of the elements in this show, too. It's not so much just remixing the comics. They're kind of remixing the movies as well. Because, mm-hmm. again, we've seen these themes in the movies, like Kelly being replaced by Mystique. Yep. Uh, you know, it's like, I think, like, if anything, like, that's it's that's the biggest hurdle for all these modern, these two modern X-Men shows, Evolution and Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm. Because it's like, I think the directive from on high was like, you're doing a new X-Men show. You got to make it more like the movies because that's what people know now. Right. People have seen the movies. Right. So and they then want something familiar. The movies kind of hamstring them in these weird ways. And it's it's almost like the story of those shows is like breaking away from the movie constraints mm-hmm. and just like doing your own X-Men thing. Yeah. But here, this is definitely a plot element that is inspired by the movies for sure. See, Yeah, certainly seems like it. So Mystique orders, well, as Senator Kelly orders Trask to bring the Sentinels back online and they're going to attack Genosha tonight. Trask is really confused because the whole Sentinel program had been shut down. He says, we only have 15 and it's going to take me like four hours to get them online. And Mystique, as Kelly says, like, well, you know, you have one hour to get them online. And Trask is like, but we need like 50 of them. Right. We don't have enough to really like overwhelm them. We're not going to win. You know, and she's just like, well, whatever, just do it. Yeah. So, right. I mean, so obviously it's all part of Magneto's plan. A lesser sentinel force will be able to repel and it'll be like the the Cassus belly he needs to go to war with the human world. Right. 
And he's really confident that he's just like going to win and the future is going to belong to him. I mean, it honestly feels like why is Magneto bothering with this whole fake sentinel attack? Mm -hmm. Just attack the humans. I mean, they like, I don't think how is Magneto, who's Magneto trying to win sympathy of the other mutants around the world? I guess that too, right? The other mutants around the world who wants their sympathy. Look, they attacked our perfect mutant paradise where we tried to live in peace. Come join me, Magneto, and crush the humans. Mm. Uh, but then again, you get into these weird questions of like how many mutants are in the are on Earth. Is it like millions or is it just like thousands? Like I don't know. That's always yeah. like a weird, tricky X Men question. That's true. The comics always has like goes through great lengths to answer that question in very awkward ways. Uh, the whole House of M storyline where Wanda wishes for no more mutants in the world mm. because there's just there's like literally at this point in the X Men comics there's millions and. After she does this whole House of N thing, like it's reduced to like hundreds. Mm. So and it's just like all the characters you know. <laughs> like, like, How convenient. Right, exactly. It's like nobody cool is left off the list. Right. Like they all got to keep their powers. So the mutants go from being like this class of people in planet Earth that are almost like reach like a an equitable le- level of amount of humans to like an extremely like sliver of a minority of like basically like an endangered species kind of thing. Mm. So, like, the the comics were, again, very concerned about these numbers. The cartoon shows and the movies are, like, a little more, like... Whatever. It's, like, random. Like, yeah. you don't really know what's going on in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you had that one scene where Professor X is looking, like, to find all the mutants, and you see, like, all the clusters of, of mutants, you know, like, yeah, through Cerebro. Yeah, it seemed like a lot. It seemed like a lot, but, it, like you're saying, it's there's no scale to it. You don't yeah. know if it's, like a few hundred or a few thousand or a few million. I remember this question bothering me too when we were watching that Gifted show before we gave up on it. Mm. I feel like that was part, because it's like the whole show is about like these mutants are being hunted by sentinels or something. Mm-hmm. And, but like how many mutants are really out there? Like It just seemed like, it's, it seemed like information you kind of need to know to like understand. Fully appreciate the scope of the show. Right, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you're just kind of like, uh, the scope needs to be set, I think, uh-huh. to really like get like what's going on. Yeah, agree. Yep. Uh, well, it turns out Scott did let Emma out <laughs> and Wolverine beats him up for it. <laughs> yeah. Scott is really uh, Wolverine's punk throughout this entire show. Yeah. He's just not ever going to get any kind of, you get like very little sense of Scott ever having been the true leader of the X-Men in this universe. Mm. He's just like, he's too broken down. He's weak and lame. Meanwhile, Beast summons Wolverine to the war room, saying that they have a problem. So he leaves Scott and Emma alone for a little bit. And Professor X, um, now we cut to the future again, and he's brought to Master Mold. Master Mold, it turns out, built a new version of Cerebro and uses it on Xavier to find all the mutants in the world. Right. Again, so themes of movies yes that's what at least reminded me of yes exactly same professor x being forced to locate mutants on behest of an evil force is x-men 2 right yeah emma drives her porsche up to the hellfire club mansion a matching white porsche to her sort of electric white white style yeah (laughs) and um she uses this secret entrance to go down into like a stone tunnel basement area an undercroft an undercroft. Right. <laughs> Words we've learned in that Spider-Man movie. Where Jean is lying asleep on the stone table. It's very, like, ritualistic. Yeah. Um, you said, so, like... Don't worry, Jean, you're safe here in this creepy cave with candles. Right. There's an appearance of, like, all these women that Blonde are identical. Women. Yeah. You said, like... The Stepford Cuckoos, I think. I don't know anything about them. I've never heard of them. They're characters, part of Emma's mythology in the comics. Uh, 
there might like there's more than three here. I just know them as three from the mm-hmm. comics. I maybe in the some comic continuity there's more Stefford Cuckoos, but they got killed in the um, Genosha genocide that happened in the comics. Mm. Uh, I again, I just remember them mainly as being like three. They're Emma's like students. I forget if they're clones of her or somehow have her DNA or something. The X Men anime I think goes into that as well. Oh really? There's an element of the Stepford Cuckoo. Yeah, I I, I, I might be wrong, but it just maybe in Emma's flashbacks when she ran her own institute in that show. Oh okay, something like that. But they're part of Emma's character because these are like her own special students that she's raising. They're like this weird hive mind of like psychic entities that communicate with each other. And I hate the name. But yeah, I like the idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they like fade into the background quickly. I guess that's just a nod for anybody who knows about them from the, maybe they'll be in the next episode. Yeah, maybe Emma psychically wakes Jean up and starts to bring some of her memories back. It seems like, but like not all the memories from the past Jean's waking up and she's screaming for Scott and Emma assures her like, Scott's fine. You're safe. Everything's all right. I'm the one that saved you from angel. And now everyone's lives are in danger. Come with me. Yeah, and I mean, I like all this stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I like this Jean Emma confrontation. Uh, I I really like the voice actress on Jean in the series. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I think that's very good casting. And of course, yeah, we talked about how we like Emma a lot too. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, a lot of good voice acting in the show overall. Emma brings Jean to this room full of relics and explains to her that the Phoenix has been afflicting mutants ever since mutants emerged, and she has like stone tablets from Egypt and this stuff. Is like, like some weird. Like remixing the apocalypse mythology, right? Which again, I think like apocalypse was going to fit into the next few episodes somehow. Right. Like maybe he we was, just saw the hint of him. Right, but he's he was there. using the phoenix force in the past, but I, I mean, like I, I do appreciate that they're taking the phoenix storyline and they're changing it from what we classically know. Yeah, I'm still not a fan of. I I still like the original Chris Claremont phoenix story better, mm. and I know in the comics too they've done a ton of like phoenix sequels. Like various different characters have gotten the Phoenix Force. Like Cyclops got the Phoenix Force at some mm-hmm. point, you know. Other, I forget who else. Like, uh, like characters you wouldn't expect have gotten the Phoenix Force, mm-hmm. and then Phoenix Jean herself has gotten it back too. Come back, died a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So it's not that like there's this one Phoenix story that people keep altering. It's like it's been changed a lot. Right. I just think again, maybe it's just my own bias. Like the Claremont version with the Emcron Crystal, the Shi'ar Empire, mm-hmm. my favorite telling. I think like I'd be more interested in a remix of that. I know all those entities are so interesting. Yeah, like you could <laughs> update that story, like yeah. just make that more like exciting, like cosmic, futuristic, whatever. Like I'm into that idea, but they kind of shy away from that a lot. It seems. I mean, I, they have a lot of balls in the air already. I yeah. don't know that they would have the time yeah. to tell that complex a story. I would imagine they just had to kind of truncate it. That's, and that's why of, they did it this way. But that's why I don't like them redoing the Phoenix story all the time. Like, I just think it's its own special thing and it needs its own, like, like uh, specialness. Right. And like, don't cram it <laughs> Six in. Six part series. They're like always they- trying to cram it in <laughs> to all these things. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're just, it's not, doesn't work for me. It doesn't work in the movies at all, for sure. Right. Yeah. Well, here, Jean is very troubled by the news that she has the Phoenix Force inside of her. And she just believes Emma that, like, one, that she has the Phoenix Force, two, that all these things happen and that she's going to cause a genocide again on Earth. Like, it's not. Yeah, she's really freaked out by that. Emma basically says, we have to excise it from you and just release it into the atmosphere because without a host, it probably can't survive. But there's other psychics out there. Tons. So. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> this plan is not Emma good. A number one. Like, why couldn't she host the Phoenix Force? Again, she might have been a character that I think might have had it briefly in the comics as well. Yeah. 
And then she introduces the Hellfire Club. The rest of them kind of come out of the woodwork in their old-timey clothes. Right. Most of them <laughs> from the original Chris Claremont, Inner Circle, Shaw, Leland, mm-hmm. a few others, Cyborg Arm Guy, I forget his name. Yeah. Uh, but there's one, uh, someone in the Facebook group mentioned her name, or the Reddit group, uh, the woman in black. Yeah. Escaping me right now. I don't know her and name. Check out our communities. They have the answer right there. <laughs> uh, maybe her name will be mentioned in the next episode. Um, not a character from the original group, but um, I don't know. I like the Hellfire Club. I yeah. really enjoy them as X-Men characters. Mm-hmm. Again, another like great kind of Chris Claremont invention. A weird, haughty group of of like rich society, powerful type mutants. Yeah. Just a weird thing. Right. Yeah. So our last beat of the episode here is Wolverine is in the Blackbird with the rest of the X-Men. And he's explaining like, all right, we don't know where Jean is, but until we find her... Or until we know how to find her, our number one priority is stopping the war that's coming. So he just like he takes time to yell at Cyclops in this whole speech. Yeah, like Gene is on the back burner. No right. one is to deviate from this plan. We have to go to Trask's headquarters and shut down the Sentinel plan, and then we'll deal Gene later, maybe. Right. Let's would, see if we all live. But again, like <laughs> I did, Professor X hint to Wolverine that Gene might have been the source of all the issues, or they're not. I feel like the viewers. We, the viewers, he know did. about it. Yeah. yeah. No, Professor X said, Jean is the key. You have to secure her first. Yeah. But they don't know how to do that. Okay. So they're going to the Sentinels first. Right. That would be my and argument. And thinking maybe they would get a clue to Jean or something. I'm not sure. But I kind of like the sequence. At that moment, as they're flying over there, um, Mystique, as Senator Kelly, orders the Sentinels to launch because Trask can track the blackbird and see that they're going to be there in like a few minutes. Right. So she's like, launch them right now. So they all go flying up into the air, all 15 of them. Well, Trask is like, are you crazy? Like you're going to kill us all because the roof will cave in. Yeah. And Mystique just roundhouse kicks Trask in the stomach as right. Senator to Kelly, which is quite stupid. Yeah. And then he, I guess this is, I think a, a child censorship thing. He mentions to the remaining staff, like, okay, we're going to yeah, launch everyone them. evacuate. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> evacuate safely so yeah. to presume that no one did die. Right. Uh, but there's no like explosions or anything actually at the facility. Well, the rock. No, they they show like some rocks falling in from when they blast out of the ceiling. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might have missed that. It goes by quick, but yeah. it looked kind of dangerous. Okay. Um, I, I like the sequence of all the X Men in the jet together, though. Yeah, me I just too. liked all their colorful costumes. A lot of them look like classic versions of themselves, mm-hmm. even if we're not particular fans of the character designs. <laughs> yeah. But I just, just like, I've seen Kitty next to Rogue and Iceman next to Cyclops and Beast and Wolverine. Like, I like seeing them all together. Storm. A nice family portrait. Yeah. In the Blackbird. I mean, another final, like, rounding up our whole thoughts on the whole series thing. It's like Storm really underserved in this series. Yes, completely. Kind of a bummer. Not really done well in Evolution either. We had our criticisms. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the era of Storm must rise again. We need, like, a really awesome superstar Storm mm-hmm. MCU. Hopefully X-Men 97, like, remembers that and yeah. forms a major character. Because I mean, she was a major character in the original series, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was cool to see all the X-Men sort of, like, in that jet together. Yeah. It was nice. And the Sentinels fly at them, and they crash into one of the Sentinels, and the Blackbird goes down in flames. Everyone's okay. Right. But then the last shot is we see the Sentinels flying towards the city, over the city. Right. They're I, presumably heading to Genosha. The X-Men have crashed in the Blackbird. Wolverine emerges from the rubble, but passes out because he's been too shaken up. So imagine how all the other X-Men feel right now that don't mm. have super healing powers. To be continued. Yeah, to be continued. So the end of Foresight Part 1... Um, very good episode, I thought. Like, yeah, I thought ha- so too. Again, like you said, like a lot of juggling balls in the air that they have to manage here. Um, we'll see how it, I mean, I don't really have many 
like predictions about what's going to happen. I don't yeah, know I don't if either. the show ends on a cliffhanger for season three. I'm that wondering never comes. if they're going to even be able to wrap up everything between Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister and like yeah. everything they have going on. I think on. there's going to be a few dangling threads, but I think ultimately the show is going to end with Professor X like awoken from his coma and the future having been saved from that calamity. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be some like obviously there'll be some thing. other reason set up for Wolverine right. to lead, lead the group in the next season that's yes. not coming. <laughs> the next season that was never to come. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, like, uh, cool, you know, like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Um, uh, a cool show, uh, that we've had some mixed feelings on, but, uh, wrapping up quite excitingly. Um, Sonia, any thoughts, uh, this week to close out on before we get to the middle part of the big finale? Uh, not really. To be continued. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night.